what's your thought process going into it to a co-write of how, how you approach writing a song man you know I've been asked that question a bunch and uh Hey everybody, thanks for joining us today. Clay and I have been traveling a lot, so we're going to run an interview that we did a little while ago with Rivers Rutherford, monster hit writer. He's got a lot of great things to say, and I think you'll really enjoy him. Hey everybody, welcome to the Songtown Studio. we got Rivers Rutherford as our special guest tonight. Rivers is an old friend and co-writer. We've written a good number of songs together, um, and he's one of the most talented singer-songwriter people I've ever met. Well, thank you. You're welcome. That's a kind comment. Um, and I didn't know. So, you know, when we co-write, we don't usually do a whole lot of research on each other. But <laughs> since I was going to interview you, I, I did some research on you today and read that you grew up three blocks from Graceland. Is yes. Is that correct? Yeah, about four, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure did, Three, yeah. four. Well, see, they lied on that. Yeah, well, <laughs> they always exaggerate on this. Well, I, it was probably me. <laughs> But yeah, sure did. We we uh, I, I can. My dad was sixteen when Elvis bought Graceland, really? and, uh, and he lived uh, next door. And it, it was a, it was a little house, but he lived next door to Graceland. And uh, so my my grandmother and grandfather kind of got to know the Presleys a little bit, and my dad, you know, just by being around. And uh, I remember in probably nineteen seventy one, I would have been three or four years old. We were riding down Highway Fifty. Well, Elvis Presley Boulevard, and. Uh, and my dad said, "There's Elvis," and he pulled over, and, and it was all I remember is he had jet black hair, and he had on a blue shirt, and he was on a white horse, and we got to talk to him from that. Oh, really? Was he in his yard? Or yeah, where he was, was he? yeah, he was just riding a horse around. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. The horse was looking back over. He kept nibbling it. That was his leg, kind of biting mm-hmm. at him, you know. And uh, Elvis was like, "Horse, quit nibbling my leg." I, I remember that. I don't know why. <laughs> Hey, I was in Glenn Rutherford. This is my my son Rivers, you know. And he said, "Hey, how you doing, son?" You know, that old deal. Uh huh. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your songwriting process, because I think everybody watching this are songwriters, so I know they're going to want to hear kind of. I mean, what's your thought process going into it to a co-write of how how you approach writing a song? Man, you know, I've been asked that question a bunch, and uh, I I can give you answers. I, I don't know. It, it, I mean, there's some things that are kind of common, but they're not rules by any stretch of the imagination. They're just kind of... So Virginia Woolf, I think, they, they asked her one time, what are you scared of? And she said, coming down the stairs in the morning. And I said, what do you mean? She said, well, because when I come down the stairs, the first thing I do is I sit down at my typewriter and start writing. And it, my typewriter's up against the living room window. It looks out through the neighborhood, you know, and... She said, I never know if I'm going to sit down and start writing and I'm going to be Virginia Woolf, the internationally celebrated you know, novelist and essayist, and, or if I'm going to be a middle-aged woman in a bathrobe looking out a window. <laughs> and every write I try, I'm, I'm scared. I, it, it's, you just kind of you go, oh, gosh, well, how's this going to go? And that's not a very healthy way to approach Some, it. But So sometimes you feel like a middle-aged woman in a bathrobe? Well, don't tell anybody that, but yeah, sometimes, <laughs> so, you know. That's what I gained That's kind that of a dream of well, mine. you know what? What excites you about an idea when you're in a co-writer? If I hadn't heard it before. Okay. That's what I look for. I look for something I hadn't heard before or an angle I hadn't thought about before. And when those come to me or when somebody across the room from me suggests it, that, that's a that's like a little sip of something good, you know. Yeah. And then you get into it and, and uh, it, anything I'm working on I think is good or I wouldn't be working on it. But when you're on one you know it's good there's a there's just a high that comes with it and, and I don't I don't get that as often 
uh, as I'd like. You know, it, it it's a you know when I was younger, I didn't know what was good. Well, I thought I did, but uh, I'm 50 years old. I've been doing I've, I've been paid to do this for 30 years. Mm -hmm. Come come mid May, and uh, it when I get that feeling. That's why I do it, and you know, obviously we, we I've got, I got a family. I, you know, I like to do fun things. I, I want to make some money, you know. Mm -hmm. But that high is just, it's, it's not like any other high. You know, it's like we did this, we made this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, something cool. Like we can, there you go. That still makes me happy when I listen to that. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love that song too. I do too. So, what kind of person do you write with best? Do you think? Well, I always say that in a co-writing relationship, there there are two skill sets, and some people have both, uh, or some degree thereof. And I, you do. I think that uh, I think I've got both, but I'm way heavy on the. You know, I, I'm pretty good at looking at whether it's an idea or come bring an idea in or whatever. But once we establish the idea, I'm really good at looking at it and saying, I know how to say this in a way that is going to make it appeal. And uh, and you know here's here's a here's a really fertile patch of ground that I think would have some emotional impact to it, and we'll dig over here instead of over here, you know. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people who uh, I think are are almost producers that you know uh, they can they can hear something and go that's good that's good but it's not going to work and I'll tell you why and you know and that that I do as well but I don't think I'm that's my talent. My talent is making stuff. I'm a, I would be what they refer to around here as like an artist writer, you know. And uh, I, I look for people who are stronger in that suit. Uh, my buddy George Taran, he and I have written, I've written more number ones with George than I have with anybody else. And uh, he's got, he can wear both hats as easily and as comfortably as ever. But when, and I'm more comfortable wearing the artist hat. But when the two of us get together, we'll we'll get there, and I don't even pay attention to who's doing what because we're trading hats so fast. I don't even I don't even know who's wearing mm -hmm. what hat. You know, it just kind of works. It's a chemistry yeah. thing. I've used you as an example, not by name, but when I've t worked with people that are writing, you know, say one of the jobs that you can do in a co-writer a lot of times is be that kind of the editor. And yeah, I feel like when we've written, you know, you will get this creative burst, and you just start taking off, and I'm trying to like. Write down the great things, you know, so that so that we can go back and go. These were the these are gold right here. Let's build on that. Yeah, kind of yeah, thing. yeah. That those are the and that's exactly what I look for in a co Yeah, 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 yeah. And and other people are different. You know, uh, I've written with a lot of guys who they don't they, they they'll come with an idea. Kelly Lovelace, he'll tell you he's an idea man. Mm -hmm. And man, when you write with him, it's always fun because I might have an idea, I might not, but I know he's gonna have one. Right, and it's gonna be good. You want to hear a story in a song? Yeah. yeah okay, let's do that. If it's good. Well, I don't know if it's any good or not, but this is, I, I play a song, uh, when I was a, when I got to college, you know, nobody was going to be a songwriter when they graduated. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know what I was going to do, and everybody there is asking, what you going to do, what you, what you majoring in? I go, well, right now, music, you know. Oh, oh, you going to teach? I go, nah. What are you going to do? Well, like you're gonna be a concert pianist or something? I said, no. What are you gonna do? I said, I, I don't know. I mean, I always wanted to be in music, but it just nobody else was doing. It. I thought, well, maybe maybe nobody does that anymore. I don't know what I was thinking. Decided to go to law school, 
and my dad started worrying and uh mm-hmm. he saved the world from a well, saved me from a lot of malpractices, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he called me one day and said, there's a guy in Nash- a guy from Nashville, a woman named Tony Wine, who's teaching a class at, at uh, University of Memphis. It's a four-week deal, so once a week, on songwriting. Do you want to do it? And I said, and I was still writing, but I, 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 what are you talking about? Well, I thought you might be interested. And I said, yeah, I think I do. He said, well, I'll go there the first one to sign you up. And I was in exams, you know. So... Uh, I came back for the second one, and uh, I met a guy named Chips Moman. His wife was teaching the class, and Chips was a, a legendary record producer, guitar player, songwriter. He uh, he says, I'll give you $100 a week to write songs for me. And I was 20 years old. I said, I'll take it. And uh, But he made me promise I'd go back and finish my senior year. You know. So when I went back to school, he called me one day. He said, have you ever heard of the Highwaymen? And I said, uh, no. He said, you ever heard of the Highwaymen? I said, oh. He said, you ever heard the song The Highway Man? I said, nope. And he says, you really don't like country music, do you? And I said, no, sir. And uh, I can't believe I said that looking back, but I, I, I did, but I wasn't a fan. Mm-hmm. He says, go buy The Highway Man and write me the sequel. This will be a good exercise for you. So I went and bought a cassette tape and listened to it, and I wrote what I thought was going to be the sequel. And I played it for him, and he's, he said, that's good. And so he called me a couple weeks later. He says, can you be in Nashville at this address on Monday? I said, sure. And I, I skipped class. I drove up, up here to Nashville, and uh, I went to uh, what used to be Emerald Studio, mm-hmm. and uh, which is where we wrote Love is Like Rain, I believe. Yes, it is. Yeah. But uh, I walked in, and when I opened the door, there's Willie Nelson and Willie Jennings and Johnny Cash and Chris Christopherson. And I'm like a college kid you know a black leather jacket and a, a mullet you know <laughs> and uh, they didn't know what to make of me the room went dead silent and Chip says Rip play your song for these boys and I'm looking around and I look over to my right and there's Glenn Campbell and, <laughs> and I had my guitar in my hand I said well Mr. Campbell may I borrow your capo <laughs> I got down on my knee and I played my song and I got finished Christopherson he was kind of quiet Christopherson said well hell that's right up our alley. And that was the sweetest thing I've ever heard in my life, you know. So I, I sang it with their band, you know, and they got the track, and Johnny Cash went out to sing his part, and he he, he wouldn't have any trouble. He just was a very classy, cool guy, and he says, hey, kid, why don't you come out here and teach me how to sing this thing? So I got in this little booth with Johnny Cash, and I was teaching him oh, how to wow. sing. Yeah, it was crazy. You didn't wet your pants, did you? Well, I don't tell anybody. <laughs> But when I came in, that's exactly what Waylon Jennings said. He said, hey, kid. He says, were you scared out there in that little room with Johnny Cash? And I was not going to give it up for anybody. I was so scared. I said, there are people. Just be, just be, you're just with a bunch of your buddies at a party. Just just be as normal <laughs> as you can be. And I said, no, I wasn't scared. And he looked at me kind of like my dad did, you know. Mm-hmm. He gave me that old once over, and he says, shit. <laughs> This was the first song I had recorded. Johnny Cash said, I am a shotgun rider for the San Jacinto line. The desert is my brother. My skin is cracked and dry. I was riding on full coach and everything was fine till we took a shorter road to save some time. Bandits only fine once they shot me in the chest. They may have wounded me 
never get the best of better men. Okay, so what's, I mean, where do you go from well, those guys cutting your song? It's you been know? a disappointing career. <laughs> after that, it's all downhill. So, no, what happened after that? Well, uh, I started shopping for condos overlooking the Mississippi River, thinking I was going to make a million bucks. And uh, I think after about a year, my grand total was about 15 grand, and that was most of that was for playing on the album, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a nice. It, I did get a decent royalty check. It was a single. It wasn't. I mean, the it was five thousand dollars, and I framed it. And I said, nah, I can't frame this. I got to put this money to work. I was <laughs> yeah, just, you know. But uh, yeah, it was eight years, a wife, and two children before I had uh, a song recorded again. Wow. Yeah, it was a long, 
long, strange trip. I did every job I could think of. I wrote jingles. I got a break and, and got somebody who said, I'll pay you $200 to write a jingle for me, you know. I got really fired up about it, and then I played it for me. So I'll give you another 200 if you'll sing it. It was like a Western sizzling ad. Oh, really? Yeah, it ran everywhere. But uh, uh, I worked in a plant nursery for a while at agricultural minimum, which is, you know, less than minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did, you know, I, I would pack up my car with all the gear I had, and I'd drive to Birmingham and Jackson, Mississippi, and Oxford, Memphis, and Jackson, Tennessee, and back to Nashville, and I'd, you know, about every six weeks and try to make some money. And uh, it was brutal. It, I moved here in 93 and I got my first publishing deal in 96 well when I came here I was still writing for Chips and I got a record deal quick I'd, I'd been here about six months and I got a record deal and, and uh, but you know I got my advance it wasn't very much back mm-hmm. then they were giving record deals to anybody that was willing to get it <laughs> you were about walk by yeah, exactly so it was brutal it's tough it's a yeah. tough way to make a living I think a lot of times people don't see the sacrifice they just see the successful you know things that make the news, or you know. Man, I wish I could just knock off tomorrow and go play golf. I've heard <laughs> yeah. that a bunch. Yeah, know. exactly. Why don't you, uh, once you write about ten thousand songs and then move to Nashville and start working and see how that goes? For <laughs> right, you. exactly. Yeah. You know, to to be a, success, a successful songwriter, you've got to wrestle. You you wrestle with yourself. Oh. You wrestle with your beliefs. Um, yes, indeed. you wrestle with insecurity. You know, and, and that all of those things at the end of the day are what give you the possibility of tomorrow going out and writing a hit song. That's you, it. Because you're you're wrestling with real stuff and you're you're putting that into songs, how however pretty or ugly that might be, you know, and um, That's where the good stuff comes from though. Yeah. When I wrote when I got inspired, instead of saying I'm gonna write every day, uh, I'd write about twelve songs a year. And when I said, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna get busy on this thing," I still didn't write every day, but I'd write 25. And then when I started co-writing in earnest, it was 125. I mean, the the the, uh, the power of two people versus one mm-hmm. is just that much more effective. It's five times as effective. I mean, you may not get the same kind of song, uh, and I think there's some songs that are you better off just writing by yourself. But it takes a lot longer. It's a lot harder. It's a lot lonelier. Yeah. yeah. A lot more fun to co-write, I think. It's a lot more fun. I like people. A lot less like work. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Check out the show notes. You can find a link to our sponsor, Sweetwater. Sweetwater is the best place to get gear, instruments, all that kind of stuff. You've also got links to some books that Clay and I have written about songwriting and to Songtown itself. Hope you'll check us out. See you soon.